Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Again, I just want to emphasize that this is a safe place. I want you all to feel comfortable being open and honest about your bad church experiences. We've all been there. Ashley, we haven't heard from you yet. Would you like to share? Okay, well, my friend invited me to this singles thing at her church. It was... Your name must be Blessing, because you're the answer to all my prayers. What? Your name must be Blessing, because you're the answer to all my prayers. I know exactly how you feel. I went to the singles thing last year. We didn't even get to names. You look new. Yeah, I am actually. Are you single? Uh, yeah. How many kids do you want? Do you have a family history of heart disease? Oh, you guys make such a cute couple. (laughs) Uh. How do you feel about a fall wedding? Oh, can we be bridesmaids? Of course you can. Now, do you own your own tux or are we going to need to rent? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Anyone else? That's crazy, wasn't it? Uh, welcome to The Loft. My name is Jason Kilby, and uh, if you haven't had a chance to meet, uh, I'd love to connect with you and just see where God's moving in your life, and more importantly, how we can grow together and how we can do life together here in our community. Um, before we even get started, I want to make one quick plug, because it's really important to me about what's about to take place tonight, if you do not know about it. Um, essentially, we had a family who went through a huge tragedy about a month and a half ago now. And um, he's, you know, he's, a, he's a pastor over in Harrisburg. His, uh, his wife is a school teacher. And essentially, uh, if you don't know the story, the travel, or a family was traveling on I-65, and they were in a car crash, and it killed the grandparents, and it killed uh, their baby girl that was three years old. And uh, their five-year-old was almost killed. And so they're in rec- recovery mode right now. Uh, from all that tragic events, but here's the cool thing. Uh, when Christians move towards Christ and we can come alongside each other, we can do great things. And, and so uh, in the middle of a dark spot in their life, uh, we want to provide light. And so tonight is a chance for you to be a part of light. And uh, we have a huge concert coming in tonight at 7 o'clock over at the showroom. Uh, it's right over in the corner of uh, 34, Lebanon Road, and, and 127, the bypass. And, and basically, we're asking you guys just to show up in droves and just spread the word. Uh, we have Unspoken coming in, JJ Weeks coming in, and, and our worship team will be performing as well. Josh Reardon bands are going to be there. Uh, there'll be food trucks there, so come hungry. Uh, everything that's going literally at the gate, everything at the gate is going 100% to them. So just imagine if 1,000, 2,000 cars show up. Uh, you, put, you put some money in dollar figures of that one, uh, where it's $10 a car load, and you cannot find a more entertainment type of moment for $10 a car load, by the way. Uh, so hey, come on out. Be a part of what God's doing. And I promise you, 
you will not be disappointed. And for those who do not know much about those two bands, uh, at the end of the sermon today or at the end of the service, uh, there'll be a, a song called Good Fight. And at the very beginning of the sermon, we, or today's service, we had a song called Start a Fire. Uh, those are unspoken songs. And so uh, at least I hope and pray that you can connect with that tonight. Come out, come hungry. Bring your lawn chair because you'll need it. Uh, it's a three-hour concert. It'll be an amazing night underneath the stars. The weather's going to co- cooperate. We're going to have some fun. Uh, get there early because literally I got a, a feeling it's going to be a packed venue. I'm almost probably sold out. So, um, hey, I'm excited uh, because we get to partner with this. More importantly, we get to shed some light in a dark area of a friend's life. So, um, was saying all that, you know, last week we sort of dove into our bad church experience and we sort of peeled back the rug, remember? We peeled back the rug to address the mess underneath the rug because everybody's got some trappings underneath there. We sweep, we sweep things underneath the rug and so we, we just dove straight into that and when we dove straight into it, we found out that when we expose some of that mess, when we expose some of the truthfulness of that, what happens is, is basically God uses it as a gift for somebody else. God turns that into a gift because your testimony becomes his story. And when his story gets glorified and he's at the center of it, look out, anything's possible. But what we have to do, first of all, is pull the rug back and address the mess. And so I guess we can just start off where we did last, last week. Uh, show of hands, have you ever had a bad church experience? Come on, be honest with me. Oh, come on, you bunch of liars. You know, everybody has had one, whether you want to admit it or not. And maybe you had, and maybe you, this is your first time back in a long time from a church experience, bad church experience, and you're giving, like we talked about earlier, you're giving this one more chance. You know, talk about the pressures on for us this morning. Uh, and I just want to say, maybe you've been invited by a friend, and, and, and I just want to say to that friend, thank you very much for bringing them here this morning. But it's one of those moments, the pressure is on. The pressure is on because they're critiquing everything, they're looking at everything, and they're wondering literally what is going on. Why am I even here? They got the spiritual bumpers up, right? You know, they got all this going on. And so what I'm asking for you just this morning, just before we even get started, is, you know, just uncross those arms. Uncross those arms and just be sit in that posture of opening. Stop thinking about the to-do list of what you got to do and lean into what Jesus can do with this next couple of minutes as we just laser focus on what God's trying to do. And I believe if we do that, I believe if we do that, we literally um, will we'll allow the Holy Spirit to move us in a way that can literally change some more lives. And when we can trust that, when we, when we camp out on that, um, it, the, truth, the truth comes out. The, the truth prevails. Uh, but we have to be willing to move a little bit, okay? We got to be able to take that first step and, and be open to what's about to be said. And so I believe in some way, I believe in some way we all, if we could just be truthful about today, we all want to belong, don't we? I mean, we all want to be a part of the in crowd. We all want a circle of people who, who knows us, accepts us for who we are, all the little quirks and giggles and everything that you are, right? They, you just want somebody to accept you. We all want to be good enough, and we all want to be picked, right? We all want to be the first person off the bench. We don't want to be the last guy. And we, when we're rejected, it hurts deep because it touches our deepest insecurities inside. And what I found over time in asking a lot of people is that have been rejected by the church, it hurts. They wanted to join, but they were left on the outside. They were told they wasn't good enough or they didn't fit in. And is this, the, is this what the church is supposed to be about? An exclusive club or a group that you have to earn your way to get involved? 
on the inside? Have we set that up? What, what, are, what are we going to do today with that? And I hope and pray we lean in today to what the earlier, earliest followers of Jesus said. And, and the truth is, they said, don't do that. Don't set those things up. And they painted a very clear picture of what the church is, an inclusive movement when you follow Jesus. And they did that in a way that for us, we're going to put into practice today. Because they put it into practice a long time ago, and I think we need to get back to that practice. And so, and so another question that I propose today is this one. It's pretty simple. Who does not like to feel loved? right? Who, who does not like that, that internal feeling of being loved or being chosen? And you see, one of my favorite verses in all those scriptures is John 13, 35. John 13, 35, and it says, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciple if you what? Come on, say it with me, church. If you, that was pretty weak, guys. Come on. If you what? There you go. If you love one another. And when we do this, it radically changes those around us because you have to love what? your neighbor. And some of you are looking at the person beside you going, no way, man, there's just no way. You know, he stinks. You know, it's just that truthful moment where you have to love them unconditionally. You have to love them through every messy moment. You have to love them, like, seriously, like Jesus does. And you got to address things. You got to love your enemies. And when people walk away from that and you put that into practice, when you decide to follow Jesus and put this into practice, it changes everything. And everything around us begins to change because they start to see something different in you, which is Christ. And that's the game changer. That's the focus. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And so I thought the easiest way to, to start this, this, this Today's talk off would be like this. Has anybody ever watched this show called uh, The Bachelor, you know, or The Bachelorette, you know? I, I got conned in to my, by, my, by my wife a couple years ago. It's been, I don't even know how long the show's been going on, I, but I specifically remember my wife said, hey, you know, if, if, if you sit down and we watch this, let's just watch a show together. And I was like, okay, sure, I'll watch a show. I'll, I'll spend some time with you. And she said, well, I want to watch this new show. We watched this new show. And man, oh man, I had no clue what I was about to get myself into. <laughs> You know, I was fighting, tear. I was laughing, you know, I was doing all the things, like making fun of the show, but she really wanted to watch the show, and so I, I sat there patiently and watched the show. And if you've never seen the show, you're blessed. I mean, you, you are blessed. You've still got some people clapping. If you love the show, I'm sorry. You know, it's, it's, it's those moments, and I'm not making fun of it, but it's just really weird to watch these people. They come on the show, and it's, a, it's basically a big dating game, you know. And, and, and it's one of those moments where you consider yourself, you know, a part of this group of movement people. Is you're all, you're just wanting to get picked. That's, that's it. And, and, you know, at the end, if you know the show, if you know the show, at the, at the end of this huge ceremony, right, they have this moment where they, they basically bring this, 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 this big bouquet of flowers up, these, these type of roses. And at the very end, you know, he starts calling off names or she calls, calls off names and she or he, you know, they basically, hey, will you what? Accept this rose. And if you accept the rose, that means you've been picked. That means there's interest. That means you're, you're, you're invited back. You're, you're part of the in crew. And more importantly, that person on the inside, you know, that person that's receiving the rose feels what? Yeah. They, they feel loved. But if you watch this show now, come on, if you watch it, um, it gets funny. 
You know, it, it just gets kind of funny. And there's some moments in it, you know, it gets later on, and, and it gets get deeper and deeper. And now, you know, the group of 20 down to 10, you know, 10 down to 8, 8 down to 6, 4, you know. And it gets really emotional because they start to share intimate moments and everything. And it's, it's like the awkward moment, you know. It's like the, the kid not getting picked to play kickball or baseball or whatever at the end of the bench, you know. And all of a sudden, there's like four or five people up there on stage, and, and it's like, hey, will you accept this rose? Hey, and there's, now it's down to two, you know. And they're just looking at each other. You know, putting their heads down, looking up, looking. You know, it's that moment, you know, of clarity. And all of a sudden, he picks one or she picks one. And they come down and we accept this rose. And they do. And, and then there's that one person that doesn't get a rose. And, and as that person has to step forward now. And they come down, they sort of hold hands and they sort of smile. It's like the awkward smile. It's the quiver of the lip, you know. And, you know, and they, they try to fight back all the tears. They, fight, they try to fight back some of the raw emotion, you know. And what I found out is, if you don't know the storyline, of what happens is, is, is they go to the car, they go to the limo, limousine of all playing, you know, waiting for them. And as soon as that door shuts, there's two things that usually happens. Two things. The first thing happens is this. Um, they just start to weep unconditionally. They weep. I mean, they just, <laughs> you know, and and it's just like, it's the weirdest thing. Like, it's not real. It's not real love. You know, this is all a show. But you are completely infatuated with yourself, you know, bottom line. You know, and that's what's going on. But the truth is, they, you know, here, here's this moment. They're just crying unconditionally. And they're just, you know, it's just it's an emotion. The other one, the other thing is what I've noticed is this. So here's the other type of emotion. The other emotion is anger. You know, they get in that car and may make a sailor blush. You know, they say things, they say things that you shouldn't, you know, and they're just like, ah, and they're just vomiting anger everywhere, all because what? They did not get picked. The truth is, everybody wants to get picked. Everybody wants to feel what? Loved. Everybody wants to be at the end of the moment on the inside, yet sometimes we stand on the outside, looking in. Have you ever felt that way? Has anybody ever felt that way? I mean, be honest. You gotta be honest with yourself this morning. Have you ever felt that way? See, maybe it was an event you didn't get invited to. Maybe as a student, you didn't make the team. Maybe your friends left you out of that one cool thing you all were doing that, that weekend. Maybe as a, a sorority member, a fraternity member, you didn't get picked to join that fraternity or sorority. Maybe you didn't get the job because you were not qualified, or maybe you didn't know somebody. You didn't make the committee that you really wanted to make. When we, when we all want to be on the end on something, the truth is we want to be on the inside, but we just don't make the cut and we're on the outside looking in. If we're truthful, it does affect us, doesn't it? It hurts. And that hurt is real. That hurt is real, and I, and I, and I acknowledge that hurt. And, and, when, and when we sort of look at this hurt and we investigate it, um, this is not something we grow out of very easily, is it? it? It holds on. It leaves scars 
forever. This is something we deal with every day because of the social media world we now live in. Because of all those moms who are amazingly crafty and post everything on Facebook uh, that we can't even figure out how to do use super glue, you know? And they're just amazing with everything, right? And for those dads who can build anything out of popsicle sticks, but we can't even figure out how to put something together with instructions. And those, those groups, let's just be honest, those groups who get together and they just, you just want to be a part of grilling out on a Sunday afternoon. And you see these posts and, you, and it just balls up inside you because you're hurt, because you didn't get the invite or you didn't feel qualified or you felt left out. You know, however, here's the flip side of this. You know that feeling of joy though, right? When you make the team when you are on the inside and when we get that amazing feeling and we're, we're being on the inside and you celebrate and you're just like, oh, I got this job and, and, uh, and I made the team or, or I was invited to the group and, and I'm, part of, I'm a part and you know, you're, just, you're sitting there, you're just like, I feel, I feel good. It makes you feel what? Better. If, it really makes you feel better. And I can remember back in college, um, I was a part of a lot of groups, and there was, you know, when you're part of a college group, and, and especially like the BCM or Baptist Collegiate Ministries, um, you know, you're involved with a lot of things, and, and it was much like a concert like it is tonight, and I was helping being in charge, and, and I remember walking up there, and there was some security guys there that really didn't know me, and I was kind of offended that they didn't know me. Um, it was back in the day when I was kind of prideful, um, like yesterday, and so it was those moments of it was, it was those moments where I walk in and they didn't know me. And I was like, hey, how come you don't know me? Because I'm supposed to be back there. And they were like, well, you don't have a pass. And I'm like, well, I've got a pass, but, you know, you just you need to let me in. And it's like, well, I can't because you don't have a pass. And so I was just, I was desperate. This is back before cell phones, by the way. So, you know, I'm desperately hunting down somebody and I paged him. You know, some of y'all are like, what's a pager? But, you know, it was just a cool device, a square, it fits on your hip. And, you know, I put 911 and I had a code and that was my code for my friend. And, and, and Rick answers it and is like, oh, well, he's here. I'll go get him his pass. And so he brings my pass out, you know, and I'm just like, oh, yeah. You know, and I put it on so proud. You know, I'm just wearing it around my neck, and it's got my name on it. And it had these three amazing words on it. These three amazing words are these right here. Oh, yeah. You know, you better believe this dude walked straight up to that security guard and said, Will this get me in? You know, I was ready to show him I was supposed to be on the inside. And I felt horrible that I was on the outside. Now, that might not have been the most Christian thing at the moment, but that's what I wanted to show him. That's the way I felt, and that's what was going on inside of me. And I walked straight up to him, and I showed him this. I said, does this even get me behind the stage? All access, right? And I, I, I just, it was arrogant. It was proud. Needless to say, you know, I, I, I did do some stupid things in college days, and, and it was immature, and it was young. Uh, but we do do that, don't we? We feel like we've been granted an all-access pass when we're on the inside. See, when you feel in psychologists even say that it makes you feel better. It makes you feel better. You perform better. You perform at a higher standard. You do things you would not normally do or risk. And that you, the next time something negatively comes your way, you tend not to let it bother you or bring you down. You just simply move on because you feel apart. Simply because you feel loved or in the group. 
And something on the inside that makes you feel important to be a part. No matter how old you are, what I've learned, no matter how old you are or what stage of life that you're in, we all have a desire to be on the inside and feel connected, don't we? Come on, church. We, we want to feel connected. We all know what it's, what it's like to be on the outside looking in. And we all know what it feels like to be on the inside looking out, right? You see, what I, I could sum it up in a couple, uh, just one liner this morning, one of those tweetable moments. If you're taking notes, here you go. You see, being out is awful. And being in is amazing, isn't it? Let's just be honest. Come on. Being out feels awful. It makes you feel horrible. But being in, it's like amazing. And you're just like, this is the greatest day ever. And I believe this right here is why so many people have bad church experiences. You see, they come, they don't feel accepted or they don't feel loved. And it's just an awful moment. And that taints them for the rest of their life. Because they showed up to church with an expectation of feeling like they would fit in or be a part. But they walked away experiencing that pain of rejection. And they get in the car. They do one of two things. They cry. They get mad and vulgar. And they never come back. And for whatever reason, I don't understand it. But they're done with God. They're done with church. And that breaks the heart of the church, I think. I think that breaks the heart of God. You see, from my experience with people, from friends, family, moms, dads, singles, everybody else, marriage groups, if you're on the outside of those groups, you will move on, right? You will move on and find a new group, a new soccer group, a new team. But when, it, when you experience this at church, when you experience this at church, it pushes you away for good and you're done. You put your spiritual bumpers up, and you're just like, I'm not going back. I'm not. I'm going to seek some. They're, they're all the same. They're all the same. It leaves a bad taste in your mouth, you know? It's like vegetables for those who hate vegetables. It leaves a bad taste in your mouth, and you never go back because that's the one place that you thought that these three famous words that we thought were all true. And those three words are this. All are welcome. How many times have you seen that sign on the outside of a church building? But you walk in and you don't feel that way. I mean, come on, we live in a church area, so we can lean in and we can say this. I grew up in a church, and maybe you did too, and maybe this sign was on the outside. You know, nobody's perfect, all is welcome. Maybe there's this little cliche of signs, but is it really true? You have to own it. I have to own it. You've seen the signs and people come in, but for whatever reason, welcome was only for those what? On the end. It was not a style thing, let's just be honest. It was not a style thing from skinny pant jeans, right? You know? It wasn't that. It wasn't from the style of music that we play. Maybe it was too loud, the bass, or maybe it's the way you dress, a three-piece suit, you know? Or maybe it was even a skin color or, or maybe a tattoo or something. It was straight up, you did not fit in because you were not a part of the group and you are not welcome. You felt that. You felt that you were not welcome here. No one ever said one word to you. You walked in and you walked out. And you never will be back. And that sign was just a sign because it's not happening down the hallways. It's just a cliche sign that we put up. And that created an awful moment in your life. And it left you bitter. Are we starting to click on some things? Hey, do you know some people that's been in that boat yet? 
Has it happened to you? If you've been around church life for a while, maybe this has happened, and you know of a story where this has happened. Or maybe you're the case that this is happening now, and it's in our church. Someone's walked in, and you never said one word to them, and they're sitting right beside you. It's amazing to me that we can sit at ball games and we can cheer on other things, but when we get to church, we're laser focused and we're like this. We got our arms up and we're just laser focused. We can clap with strangers. I've seen guys get laser focused on ball games and give chest bumps and even hugs when the team scores a touchdown. But when we come in here, straight face, serious cap on, looking at the clock. It's awkward, it's weird. And I don't understand it because it was made for so much more. You see, that's what happens when people experience an awful pain. It's simply because we as humans mess it up. We get in the way and we cloud up the vision of what love truly looks like because it's all about us. It becomes all about us. And so let me ask the Christians in the room a question. And I know maybe you're a Christian, you've been a Christian for a long time, and maybe you're new to this, or maybe you're not a Christian. So if you're, new, not, you're not a Christian, you know, this, this is not for you. This moment, this, this one question, you get an exemption card, right? But for the Christian, let me ask you this question. How mad does that make us as a Christian when we hear stories like when the church or even a, a church person, when people walk away and feel rejected and feel awful of being, they feel like it's an exclusive place to fill in. And people change their, change their views of God, what God's love looks like. They feel rejected. They didn't get one of these and they just, they walk away. How does that make you feel? You see, I, I know we should be, we, we get fired up about things out there on social media. <laughs> we get really fired up about a lot of things, and it's crazy. Have you ever seen a mom whose child didn't get picked for the team? Oh, man, you don't mess with mamas. Uh, or, or when kids get bullied, right, on Facebook, and they, they're getting bullied because they're not good enough, or they don't look a certain way, or they don't dress a certain way, and they're getting picked on. Oh, man, we, we go crazy. They get a million likes, and you're like, bring them to me. I'll, I'll take care of them. You, you mean, you say weird things on Facebook. I check you. I'm a stalker. You know, uh, at least I can admit it. You know, it's just those moments of when someone is asked to leave a restaurant because of a way of life or the way they look like. We go, we go nuts, and we, we call out for a complete boycott of that restaurant, don't we? We, we, we go off. But when it comes to something we claim to be a way of life as church or Christianity, we just go with the flow. We just go with the flow. And we just say, well, that's just the way they are. Or that's just the way we are. Or, you know, it, it is what it is. Why? You see, I feel like when, when we get fired up over some things and, and we see or hear the causes of someone else to, to, to feel excluded, we get, we get upset and the feeling of boiling up inside of us and, and we can't take it anymore and we just have to tell others, right? When God sees the church excluding his people, I feel like that's what happens upstairs, man. I feel like he is just like screaming out, shouting out, and I feel like sometimes when it's raining, that's exactly what's going on. He is crying his eyes out for his people. And because 
is people are looking for love. And the church sometimes is excluding them. You see, over history, unfortunately not, this is what I've studied, and, and, I, and I believe that the church has done this to people, and people have naturally said, this is what the church looks like, and if you wish to ask people today, if you wish to ask people today and ask them to be completely honest with you, and this answer would arise, is the church's reputation inclusive or exclusive? What do you think they would say? And you have to be honest exclusive. I'm hearing it sneak out a little bit like, I don't know if I want to say it out loud, but it's, it, it, I, it, yeah, I, 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 did I just say that? That should make you boil with raw emotions of why. If you wish to go anywhere and ask the first 10 people that you see today or tomorrow or this week, I promise you, ask them this question. Do you think the church is inclusive or exclusive? Watch what happens. Just watch what happens. What do you think they would say? Your best friends. Some of the people that you even associate here, what do you think they would say? You see, this is what I found out. I did this this past couple of weeks, and I asked 10 people. And seven out of nine of them said, you know, it's more of an exclusive group, right? I mean, it was just, it was an exclusive group. The other two basically said, you know, it's, it's kind of inclusive. You know, they're, they're, and I think they were just playing it politically correct. They didn't know what, what was, why I was doing it and why I was asking it. And the last person said, I feel like it's 50-50. I was like, you moderate. You know, come on, pick a, pick a side, you know. And they were just so, they were just so, like they were on the balance beam. They didn't know what to say. But as, as a Christian, this should make us upset and fired up. This should just get down and deep and, and just, we should want to do something different and, and, and be different, you know? We should just want to peel back the mess that we've created over time and address it and say, all are welcome here because we have made our Jesus or our worship gatherings and exclusive things for our Sunday gatherings only. Let me ask you a question. What, what part... What part of for God so loved the world made it exclusive? John 3, 16, right? Everybody paints it there, paints it there, puts it to somewhere. What, what part of for God so loved the world made it exclusive for me and you? Not to share. We forget or forgot to share that same love and it turned into a me-focused movement and then church became all about us, my family, my needs, my money, And if you show up dressed like that, well, you need to cover it up. Now, our rules are simple. We prefer clothes. Wear them. But after that, I hope God starts to change you and move you because that's what it's going to take. A heart change in here, not me telling you how to change or dress your clothes. If you show up with that tattoo, you you need to wear something that allows it not to be seen. I've seen that happen in churches. I've seen weirder things and I've heard stories of worse things, but the truth is it happens. And my question is why? Why? When God says, hey, it's my church. How did this happen that Jesus created a movement of people, but we began a reputation of in only people? You see, in the book of Hebrews, and that's where we're going to camp out today, in the book of Hebrews, the writer was talking to a group of Jewish leaders, and and if we can get this application today, he was putting it into play. He was putting it into play, and we we have the opportunity to flip the reputation and continue the movement that Jesus started. And now what the Hebrew writer was targeting was was how the Jewish believers were making it difficult for the Gentile believers to follow Christ. 
And Jewish followers were saying, hey, if you want to follow Jesus, this is what you have to do, which is not a part of their Gentile culture. And, you know, if you don't know Jewish followers of, of Jesus, the chosen people, and then, and then you got the Gentiles, which is basically everybody else, right? But, but they were making an exclusive group of followers and creating an awful experience for many people to gain access to Jesus. And how can someone follow Jewish law? Think about this. How can you follow Jewish law when you're not even Jewish? How does that work? It just does not make any sense. And it makes, honestly, for an awful church experience. And so the writer of Hebrews tells the Jewish people to stop it. Stop it. And he reminds them of what it, what it, what it used to look like for them as well to gain access to the most holy of places. You see, going to the church in the Old Testament was not the easiest thing to do. It wasn't just show up, go to Cracker Barrel, have a good day. It didn't look anything like that. It was a temple. They went to temple, and it was a very challenging thing to be a part of. And it was a very challenging moment because of the crew that was involved and the rules and the barriers and everything else because this is God's chosen people. These are the Israelites. And then he chose them. And he said, listen, this is what you need to be doing. And this is how you're going to do it. And they just made more rules around that. And so if you walked into the temple, if you walked into the temple, I made a little map. This is, this is my drawing, so don't make fun of it. But, you know, if you walked into the temple, this is it, you know, this is it. And the, the first layer, basically, as you walk in, is like the court of Israelites. You know, this whole big square on the inside is the court of Israelites. This is like where, you know, out in the lobby where we have donuts and coffee and everything else. And there's some books and CDs, and they're, just, they're out there just having fun and just talking about what the week looked like. You know, but then as, as they sort of moved in, as they started to move in, you know, they got this first door, this first this movement, this block. And this is where the women could go. And this is as far as the women could go. If you're, you know, if you're a woman, this is, this is it. You couldn't get any closer on the inside of the temple. And then the next layer was this. You know, if you're a man, if you're just a regular man, the next layer is basically this one little section right here. This is as far as you could go. And then as they start to move on the inner side of this, this invitation place where, where God created for them to worship, they got to the court of the priest. The court of the priests, you know, were priests, were all from the same tribe, and the tribe of Levi. And this is where they, they would hang out and perform all their ritual duties. And then, and then there were only two rooms left. And they were, they were very sacred, very, very few people who could get in. And one of them was called the holy place, which is this one right here. The holy place. It's right there. And this was, this was only for a couple of priests. This, this was only designed for a couple of priests, which was a direct line from Aaron himself. Aaron was way back when Moses was around, right? And, and the only priests that came from that family tree were allowed inside this place. You talk about exclusive, right? And then you got this right here, place right here. The holy of holy place. This room basically held the Ark of the Covenant, which was no, no one was allowed to be in there because it was basically representing God. And the only way that you, you were going in there basically was because you were dying. I mean, it was, it was literally, you, you, you go in there, you die, because you couldn't stay in the presence of God. But one time a year, one time a year, one of the priests of the holiest of the holiest of the holiest priests, the one that had the most clout, the one that had the most of everything, was allowed in there, literally in there, and he was allowed in there to sprinkle blood and have sacrifices and just pray over the whole Israelite movement, pray over the whole nation, pray over everything, and ask for forgiveness. And, for the, and, just, and, and that, that, that was one time a year. You talk about difficult? This is challenging. This, is, this, was, this was kind of hard worship. 
These were the chosen people from God, uh, the Israelites, and they made it difficult or exclusive way to do church. And if someone like me, a Gentile, was to show up, we could not even be in the same building. We had to stand on the outside down here in this red dot. We weren't even allowed inside. We had to stand on the outside looking in. Even though I loved Jesus, I couldn't even get in. I love God with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength. I couldn't get in. I had to look from the out. Because they set so many rules up, so many barriers up between them and God. And so the writer of Hebrews called the Jesus people out. And Jesus simply said, what? Follow me and you'll change. Not change and do all these rules and then you can come in. And that's why God sent his son, Jesus, to make it so simple for all of us, for all of us to be a part because he wanted everyone to what? Feel loved. But for years, but for years, it goes on and on and on. These, these people, these, 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 these outer layers, these, these locations, this, was, this, this is where the Gentiles had to stand and be a part that's how a lot of people feel today, I feel like, the, on the outside, way on the outside, not a part. That's as close as they can get of being a part of the in crew. Being a part of that group, being felt loved has never happened because you were never let in. You know, physically that hurts, but truthfully, truthfully, emotionally, that wounds us all, doesn't it? That will wound us for the rest of our life because we were told we were not good enough. And what happens, we will tell this story, we'll tell that story of not being good enough and we'll pass it on to the next generation and that next generation, guess what happens? They stop coming to church. Hello, America. Have you looked around? You wonder why some students and and younger millennials are not involved? You wonder what kind of stories were told back when someone wanted to seek out Jesus and they were told they wasn't good enough? You think that that story was left quietly? No, they they shared it. And that got passed on. You see, people get mad. and, And one of two things happen, just like the bachelor story. They go to their car. And they emotionally, they cry and they, they fuel up and they just, they, they just, they don't know how to respond. And it's just like, I'm never going back. Or they get mad and they cuss God. Why? I thought I was supposed to be loved there, but I'm not. I'm not even accepted. And they never come back. You see, this emotion is what the writer of Hebrews is asking for the Jewish people who are now Christ followers, by the way. They're no longer just, you know, Jewish people. They are Christ followers. They've, they've changed what they believed in. And they're asking the, he's asking them to remember because it's something they would know and feel intimately and remember what it's like when people were not invited in, he said. He said this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. He said, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, You know, remember when we were not allowed in, right? We were not allowed in. But since Jesus came, when Jesus ripped the the veil, the big, huge veil in the most holiest place, he ripped it by a sacrifice on the cross. Remember that moment? Remember it? It ripped from top to bottom. It just ripped right in two. That was the moment he gave us all access. 
He gave us an all-access pass, not just the select. We all have an access pass to Jesus, and he wants us to be in a relationship with him. You see, my son or my daughter, when they're feeling left out at school and they, they come home sometimes and they're just kind of down in that moment of, you think the world's ending, right? As a, as a third grader, you do. You know, when you get, you get picked on the, to be uh, playing some football, whatnot, at, at kickball, it doesn't matter. But they come home and you can sort of see that they had a bad day. It's because, the, you know, they, they come up, though, they, they come up and they crawl up and, in my arms or sit in my lap and, and they just sort of crawl up with confidence because I've built an intimate relationship with them. And they begin to tell me, they tell me the story of what happened. And I whisper, I whisper back to them. I whisper back to them, Daddy loves you. And no matter what happens, I still love you. And it's going to be okay because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I promise you, you go out there and you just love on them just like Jesus loved you. And just like Daddy loves you. And you know what happens usually? As soon as that moment happens and they crawl up and they, they feel confident to tell me those things, a smile comes over their face. A smile comes over their face and they walk out of the room and it's like it never did happen. Because they felt free. They felt free to speak. And you know what? We, we can go in with confidence because confidence means to speak freely. Can I tell you something? Fathers, right? When that moment happens with your son or daughter, or maybe just take it up. When we present our request to the Father, he is listening. He is listening, and he wants you to speak confidently with him, intimately with him, so he can whisper back in your ear and let you know one thing. You are loved. And when we can have that same confidence with Jesus and speak freely and know that you're on the end, I promise it will change everything. It will change the way you live, the way you think, the way you breathe, and it, it affects the most importantly how you love others. Hebrews 10 keeps on going, and it says this in 20 and 22. It says, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain. Remember the curtain? That is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with a full assurance, a full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from what a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. See, this is a four-verse celebration of knowing that all are welcome here with no strings attached. You are welcomed here. This is why, this is also why churches, this is why also churches should be so much fun to be a part of and so loving because you are welcomed here. When we come and gather, we, we have been handed all an all-access pass that allows us to speak freely with Jesus, who's the king of the world. We just sang that song. We have been invited in by Jesus to celebrate with, with others and share in this all-access pass with everybody, with all stages of life, with all ethnicity, with all generations. So my question is this, is what is the problem with so many Christians today saying it's an end thing. Why are so many churches today excluding people? And I think it's this. I think it's this. When we as a group get in, get on the inside, 
Because we, we work at it, and we work for it, and we prove ourselves, we try to prove ourselves worthy. We earned it, right? We paid our dues. When we do this inside the church, we begin to feel entitled or we feel better than the person who is sitting on the outside. We were just there last week, but we now are on the inside and, and, and we get something going on inside us. We sort of feel superior to others, don't we? You see, the problem with being in, it tends to make you an insider. The, the problem with being in, it tends to make you an insider. It just does. It actually does. And you can think about that in, in so many different ways. Hebrews 10, 23, as the band comes up, we'll sort of close it out with this, this idea. Hebrews 10, 23, it says this. Let us hold on unswervingly, unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Unswervingly, verse 23. Write that one down, circle it, highlight it, unswervingly. You see, Jesus invited us all. And when we swerve and say this is not, you know, this is not the way we do it or this is not the way he does it or this is the way we do it, it it becomes kind of dangerous. It becomes kind of dangerous for us, but also becomes dangerous for others. You see, Jesus said, just follow me. And we say, hey, follow this way. You see, we swerve and we miss it. And it calls for an awful church experience. It calls for bitterness. And when we serve, it frustrates Jesus, I think. I think it frustrates Jesus. Just like when Jesus walked into the temple, in this same temple, and went off on people when they were serving or swerving and by selling rights to clean and charge people to get into the temple. It was not made for that. Jesus did not go bottle flipping or, you know, he went table flipping. He went berserk in there because he said, this is my father's house. This is my house. And you've made it a den of robbers. He said, this this is my father's house. It's a house of prayer, he said. And prayer is where we speak freely. Not to be charged to come in and speak. This is an all-access pass to find me. Every single one of you have been given literally this backstage pass, this all-access pass, so you can understand one thing, that you're loved, that you're uniquely made. And I'm sorry if you've ever been offended or hurt by church because that's not what it was intended to look like. And I think the bottom line for us today is this, for all of us, and we need to know this, and we need to put this on our, 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 our hearts so we, we, we go out and we, we show other people what it looks like to have an all-access pass so they can feel loved, is we can't keep out the people Jesus invited in. Period. We can't keep out the people Jesus invited in, and it's our opportunity to love them just like Jesus did. And I know that's hard. I want you to hold true to this this week and watch what happens. I want you to, to unswervingly hold to the truth that all are welcome here. And when we do this, I believe Jesus is exalted and, and literally he celebrates with us. He stands up and gives fist bumps upstairs, man. I'm just he's like, he's like, it's a party. 
seriously, what would it look like if we put this into practice, if we put this big idea into practice, what would it look like? Do you think the repetition of the church would change? I hope so. And I hope it starts with you today. And I pray that even, even though someone comes into the loft and they, they don't like the style of worship, and, and I get that. It's a little different. Sometimes it's altitude sickness. I get that. Being on the third floor sort of freaks people out. But I pray that, I pray that, that you know, they literally walk away and they can say this. Hey, man, I didn't fit in there. It just wasn't my style I was looking for, but I'll tell you what, I felt loved. And I felt Jesus there. And I, and I want to encourage you to go there because that may be what you're looking for. They might not fit in because of the style and everything else, but they, they feel loved. They walk away and there is no doubt that they felt loved today because all are invited here we started off with this verse, and I'm going to end with it. You see, John 13, 35 was so important. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. They will know if we follow Jesus just like he asked us to, if we just truly invite them along the journey and love them and teach them what it really means to have an all-access pass with confidence. The church isn't an exclusive club. And it can't keep people out whom Jesus invited in. And I pray today the atmosphere begins to change with you. Jesus, I just thank you so much for today. And I pray what you're doing and, and how you're doing it. God, I, I just I ask for just our culture where we live and, and we call home, which is Kentucky, Danville, that, that we change the culture. There's 70 some odd churches around here. And we know, that, we know that there are a lot of people that have done with church because they've been hurt. Man, I just pray that, that the reputation, the, 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 literally the, the, the hope of what we're trying to do here is to put everything on you to produce love in us. And we'll be disciple makers in a way that literally brings people and draws them back to you. God, that's my prayer. And they feel the love and they know that they're picked and they know that they have an all-access pass towards you and they feel it and they believe it and it literally changes the reputation of the church and we begin a movement of Christ followers. Just like when you started it and you said, simply follow me and you'll change. God, that's my prayer. That today it starts with us. We change the atmosphere because we know we're loved. In your name, amen.